We all have our own path to walk. It may be obstructed, it may be winding, and no doubt it will have peaks and valleys, but it is ours alone. Like onlookers at a marathon, friends and family can offer encouragement along the way, but ultimately we decide the trajectory that we take. In this series, Juliet Doris Williams offers a clear view from her path that may inform your decisions as you move toward finding your faith. One part spirituality, one part real world practicality, and a serious splash of fun. Here's Juliet. Hi, I'm Juliet, and welcome to Finding Faith. I'm the author of two books, one of which is Leaving Church, Finding Faith, Six Steps for Discovering Your Purpose in the World After Leaving the Christian Church, which is the primary focus of this podcast. You can find both books and me on my website at JulietDorisWilliams.com, and I am here in this space chatting with you about the book and other things that may bubble up when we were talking about faith and life and how those two things intersect, because if you are at all like me, they always, always intersect. Hi there, Finding Faith friends and listeners. So I came across a quote by Persian poet Rumi, which said, in a very few words, a lot of what I've been thinking about lately in my quiet moments. It says, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. This quote speaks to me in this time when difficult conversations need to happen and they desperately need to happen. All it takes, my perspective, all it takes is a willingness, a willingness to listen, a willingness to hold open the space, a willingness to love anyway, a willingness to continue talking as long as conversation seems possible, a willingness to stop talking when there are no new words to say. Stopping talking does not mean that you throw up the proverbial talk to the hand gesture. Stopping talking doesn't mean you toss out that Southern charm with a bless your heart, because that's just a gentle and sarcastic way to say, I really think you are stupid and not worth my time or energy anymore. Stopping talking can mean loving people enough to not call them stupid. And man, oh man, is that hard in these days and times. Hey, I'm an author and a podcast host, not a saint. One of the things, one of the many things, probably the main thing, actually, I learned about empathy is putting yourself in the other person's shoes. A phrase we are all familiar with and so awfully bad at usually, referencing that Before we judge someone, we should walk a mile in their shoes. We should learn what their life is about, what their their living is like. 
So I was curious about this, the origins of this phrase. So down the research rabbit hole, I went as I do and discovered that it was not a Native American Indian reference as is commonly believed, but has its origins from a poem written by Mary T. Lathrop in 1895. The poem originally titled Judge Softly, and I mean, wow, what a title, has one line in the first stanza that has resulted in the poem now being called Walk a Mile in His Moccasins, hence the confusion with Native American folklore. The rest of that first stanza goes like this. Pray, don't find fault with the man that limps or stumbles along the road unless you have worn the moccasins he wears or stumbled beneath the same load. There are 11 stanzas, most with a different but similar kind of imagery and theme. The fifth one says this, don't be too harsh with the man that sins or pelt him with words or stone or disdain unless you are sure you have no sins of your own and it's only wisdom and love that your heart contains. That one and, and the rest all remind me of the story and words attributed to Jesus when confronted with a crowd of people who wanted to stone a woman caught in adultery. Yeah, yeah, just the woman, not the person, not the other person she was allegedly committing adultery with, but I digress. Jesus, as the story goes, calmly invites the one in the crowd without sin to throw the first stone. And of course, the crowd just sort of saunters or slinks away. I can visualize they just slink away because there's not one that if they look at themselves and judge themselves can meet the qualifications to throw the first stone. And this is one of those key Christian teachings that many of us that find fault with church institutions struggle with. How do we as Christians harshly judge anyone that Jesus simply declined to pass judgment on? And this is a thing that rings in my head a lot, a lot. When I'm dealing with other people and in my day job, I deal with people every day. A lot of people from the people I work with to the people we serve every day. It's a different person traveling a different journey than the one I am currently on every day. I get to choose which person am I going to be today? Am I going to be the person that is silently saying, bless your heart? Or am I going to be the person who listens with an open heart, who suspends judgment until we can get past the anger, past the hurt, past the confusion to get to the motivation, the impetus for how that person is seeing the world they live in, or at the minimum, how they are experiencing this moment, this situation, this life that they are living. If I've done it right, in those moments where I get to choose, we eventually get to the place where I can ask a simple question of the person in my presence. What do you need from me in this moment? 
And most of the time, the answer is something simple and easy. They are just grateful that I took the time to listen. They were grateful for the space to simply unload all that energy that was feeding into how they were feeling or how they were reacting in that moment. In my profession, we call that process verbal de-escalation. I just call it being a human being, seeing another human being struggling, just trying to be in a world that is sometimes harsh and cold and unyielding. All I did was give them breathing space. They know, and I know, that I can't solve their problems. Only they can do that. Now, I may have some tips, some tools, some, some insights, some strategies that I can share, but ultimately, they get to choose also. I don't get to dictate their choice. But back to our poet, Mary T. Lathrop, who invited us to judge softly. This wonderful work that she penned was more inspiration and aspiration than it was a true treatise on the things she believed. Just a little bit of a wiki read on her life will tell you that she was an American poet, a preacher, a suffragist. She was also an important leader in the movement promoting temperance, purity, and prohibition. And I quote, so yes, another shining example about all the different facets, the different layers of our lives, the words and the works we leave behind will ultimately, ultimately be our judge throughout history. So empathy, putting yourself in another's shoes, hard, hard work. Now it is super easy to empathize with someone you agree with. The hard choice, the hard work is when you disagree and not just a little, you vehemently disagree. And I can hear some of you saying to yourselves, but some things are non-negotiable, Juliet. There is a right and there is a wrong. Yes, yes. And then there's that hill over there. Is this issue, this question, this thing, whatever it is, is that your final answer? Is the hill, is this the hill that we want to die on? I'm sad to say that there uh, may be some of us who would say yes to that question. It is them actually that I want to meet on that hill. Actually, you know, I want to meet them on that field from my Rumi quote and ask the question, what do you need from me in this moment? In the wanderings of my imagination of this pivotal moment, I can see them struggle to answer my question because my motivation, you see, is to learn why they are so angry. I want to hear their story because in my imagination, I believe there is a story, a hurt, a disappointment that causes them to be angry at me and whatever it is they believe I represent. And they really aren't angry with me as much as what they believe about me. In my imagination, I take the time to listen to their story. And because I took the time 
to listen to their story. They are now calm enough to listen to mine. And out in that field of wrongdoing and right doing, we learn that our stories have differences, but also similarities. We discover a place where we are the same, two human beings struggling to make sense out of a life that we've been dealt. In my imagination, we each walk away from that encounter changed somehow because every encounter out there on that field of right doing and wrong doing, we can see ourselves on each side of the divide. So, my Finding Faith friends, my wish is for each of you, each of us, to activate the aspiration of Mary T. Lathrop, to judge softly, to lower our voices, listen more, talk less, listen with our hearts, meet someone, one someone out there on that field. It is my supposition that we can change the world one person at a time. You've heard that phrase, each one teach one. Well, I say take that further, or farther, maybe it's farther. Each one, love one. And not the one that is easy to love. The one you meet out there on that field of my and Rumi's imagination is the one that is hard to love. It will be an investment of your time, your heart, all your senses, breathe through it, talk less, listen more, go with heart and open heart. And when you fail, because undoubtedly fail, you will try again. Don't give up. The world needs you. The world needs us. We who are motivated to try and to keep trying. And with that, thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Finding Faith.